0: Guess who got no sleep again? Me. Hi, I'm Jay and welcome to my podcast. It is currently 20 to 7 in the morning. I don't know what's happening either. On today's episode of The Six from Life, I will be talking about the label Omnisexual. And to all the Karens who are listening, yes, it's real, it's valid, and if you don't think that, you can fuck off. So, strap in. Grab yourself some snacks, drinks, grab some sleep if you haven't had any yet, like me. Because this is the first episode of The Sixth Form Life. I was actually being serious about the sleep thing. If you haven't had any sleep, get some sleep. You're gonna need it. Don't be like me, please. So, let's start with the first big thing. What is omnisexual? Well, according to the LGBTA wiki, omnisexual often shortened to omni is a multi-sexual orientation defined as the sexual attraction to all genders where gender often still plays a role in one's attraction some omnisexuals have a gender preference and some don't the romantic equivalent is omniromantic now to the people that half of the time don't understand this sort of gibberish aka me basically think of it like this you walk into an ice cream shop There are so many different types of flavours you can see and all of them sound really nice and like, to be honest, you wouldn't be fussed if you had one of them but when the person in front asks you, what would you like to have? You pick one, and you pick one all the time. That's what omnisexual is all about. Thing is though, however, it always comes down to the person who uses this label and how they perceive their sexuality to be for example you may get someone who is omnisexual and uh, doesn't have a preference at all or you may get someone who is omnisexual and uh, has a specific preference and has a specific reason why it really depends on who the omnisexual person is really now oh, for the love of god before all the battle bisexuals start having a moan at me let me explain a couple of things So, the LGBTA wiki states that omnisexual is a multi-sexual orientation. This basically means that omnisexual is a part of this umbrella where people like more than one gender. Omnisexual as a label does overlap with bisexual and pansexual, however there is a big difference. For example, the difference between omnisexual and pansexual is that pansexuals do not have a preference of gender they just love all genders or they have a sexual attraction to all genders with omnisexual by definition there is a preference or gender still plays a role in that attraction the difference between omnisexual and bisexual is that bisexual is the sexual attraction to two or more genders whereas omnisexual is um canon to be all genders from the start however like i said before it really depends on who uses what label and how they perceive their sexuality to be you may get an omnisexual person who doesn't have a specific preference for a specific gender and that's fine you may also get someone who is bisexual who likes all genders and that is completely fine there is nothing wrong with evolving a definition of a type of sexuality, or gender, or romantic attraction, or A-spec or aro spec label, there's nothing wrong with that, and to be honest, I think that's where people get confused, because people think that A label is just what the definition of the label states. It isn't, it can be anything in and around that. It really depends on how the person perceives their gender or their romantic attraction or their sexuality to be, or lack thereof. Apologies, I'm getting carried away. I mean, for me, I have a preference for feminine and androgynous. So basically I end up being the man in that said relationship ish it's complicated and i'm probably going to talk about it in another episode yeah moving on going back onto the subject of homosexuality i think that now more than ever it's somehow becoming popular and i'm not just talking about general representation because there still isn't but i think through the use of tiktok and the use of instagram follow the account by the way it's omnisexual.pride on instagram and no i did not just self-promote i think that through the uses of those platforms there have been a lot more things not geared towards it but mentioning it and i think that now more than ever mspec and like the lesser known labels of the mspec plus umbrella are being more represented, or at least more well known, especially on this actual. I mean, coming from someone who's been using this label since I don't know the second half of 2019. This is a this is a biggie. Or was it the first half of 2020? Either way, it was somehow to the end of 2019, start of 2020 and now we're on the subject of years let's talk about my point of view with this so originally i think that it was around my year nine so eighth grade i think yes eighth grade where a lot of people were coming out as bi and it kind of bugged me because not a lot of people were coming out as anything else in like my school and um I think I had a little bit of clues here and there, but I don't think that I really found it out as in proper. I think the problem was, and I keep saying this, I will, like, if anyone asks me this in public, or like, you know, one of my friends asks me this, I will probably tell them like this, I came out at a point where I didn't even know I was LGBTQ. Like it was forced until i realized it was kind of true in a way and um i'm probably gonna sound like a hypocrite in the sense that i did hop on the trend when everyone was kind of coming out as bi in my school that i came out as pan which was uh the one up everyone kind of thought oh this is a new one we don't know what this is and i think that the main kind of labels were just coming out to be used and uh, at that point I had come out as pansexual and gender fluid, still using she her pronouns I think around this time when I did say the pansexual and the gender fluid, I think that I had just found an inkling of what bigender was and despite the fact that bigender was one that I continued to use for a very long time, and still kind of used to this day. I wanted to be able to make it known, in a sense, before I used it, because at that point it was very much a micro-label, and no one really knew of what it was, to the point where LGBTQ friends of mine were actually saying that it was fake. (laughs) Heh, who's laughing now? A couple of months later, however, more rep came, so bi-gender was becoming more known as people were coining it more so i kind of stopped using gender fluid and used by gender which was way easier and i I probably preferred by gender in the sense that i felt more connected to that than i did gender fluid and i think now thinking back on it um i don't actually remember coming out as omni I think it was just me snooping around labels and me finding one and just going, oh, that sounds nice. And um, I think that pansexual, it was it was there. It just wasn't doing it for me. Something was missing. And then when I found omnisexual, it was the evolvement of the label that I used. Because if someone was to ask me, you know as a pansexual person oh do you like girls or do you like guys or what's your preference I probably 90% of the time would have told you I probably have a preference for cisgender people mainly because like for example my school I was the only person who came out as any anything that wasn't cis as a label that wasn't cisgender Or, um, there wasn't really anyone in my community who was trans or non-binary or anything like that. So, there wasn't any option in that sense. I mean, of course there was option, but, like, from as far as I knew, as, as far as, like, people that I knew as friends or I know of, there wasn't choice like that. So, I think that that preference had stuck with me anyway. And then finding omnisexual just validated the add-ons that i would explain to people so i don't think there was a coming out for omni in a sense that i was kind of explaining it anyway but i just didn't know that label name hence why i then used the label from there on out even though i don't really remember coming out and then after finding omnisexual i kind of stuck with the same thing i changed my name first to what is now my nickname but i think that that whole little bubble had stuck and when i tried to come out to both parents i think both were a little bit blase about the whole thing thinking oh it's just a phase and i think i probably tried to come out to them about a good two three times with each label until they realized okay this isn't a phase and it did take a lot of uh, schooling them on what I was using pronouns, labels, etc., etc. And um, after the whole the whole schooling, I think I think they just kind of lived on with it, as in, oh, their kid is LGBTQ, sweet. And I think one of the reasons that they f- were a bit blasé about the whole thing was that it was at a point where it was kind of becoming a trend to come out for somewhat no reason and to be honest in my school about what give or take 80% of the people that did come out ended up turning straight again until what 50% of them then re-came out about a year and a half later so there wasn't really they didn't really think of much about it until the whole trend kind of stopped, and then they were like, okay, you know, we support you, whatever you need, we'll help you out with it. And I think one of the reasons as to why um, the whole coming out for me to, you know, parents, was probably one of the hardest things, was the fact that, well, being half British, half Turkish, and having parents, and myself uh, growing up in a sort of non-practicing muslim upbringing is one of the reasons as to why it was probably more harder to come out to my parents than it would have been if my parents were let's say you know agnostics because muslims believe that you know it's a sin and depending on where you live you can get you know hurt or in sometimes killed for it and that's of course depending on where you live but because where those places happened majority muslim countries i think that was also one of the reasons as to why that whole thing of coming out did scare me uh i think i was 12 or 13 because you know this stuff does happen and I honestly thought that if I had come out and, you know, they weren't supporting, I was probably going to end up being kicked out the house. Turns out I didn't get kicked out the house and, you know, I'm still here, whoop whoop. But personally, I still think that there's a lot reminding and stuff because, you know, they're kids that they've known for, I don't know, what, 15 years, 14 years? Is coming out using these labels and continues to change labels, and they're having to keep up with it. So it makes sense as to why there would be a lot of needing to be reminded and whatever, but I think eventually it will sort itself out. So it's a work in progress. Break time! This is your intermission call. I repeat, this is your intermission call. Pause here so you can take a loo break maybe. Or you can go grab yourself some more drinks or some more snacks or maybe make yourself even more comfier than you were 15 minutes ago. To all the people who have paused and are now coming back to listen to this podcast, welcome back. And to the people who did not pause and already are comfy or have enough snacks or don't need a loo at this point, welcome back again. For this next part of the episode, we're going to slightly diverge into a different topic, gender. Technically, it does still count because my gender is not cis, so it still counts with the whole coming out. But it's not about the sexuality this time, so continuing on. I think one of the things I noticed very early on childhood was, you know, I always referred to myself as a tomboy and I probably, you know, I was the only one in school who hung around with the boys and uh, assumed that there was a more masculine vibe with me and um, probably had more balls than, you know, the fifth grade, 5th grade girls. So I think that was one of the contributions that added on to me finding said gender and like of course i was probably one of the first kind of people in my you know school years to like you know wear trousers and um not bother wearing skirts or wore shorts and you know big t-shirts and didn't wear fitted clothes and it was just kind of a style thing you know making sure i was extra comfy because with autism it's just comfort 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 and I don't want to feel constricted in any way, clothing-wise. But when I kind of figured it out as there's more masculinity in me than just being, oh, a mask girl, that's where it kind of took off. And coming into secondary school kind of made me realize that more, especially in like, well, year, year seven, year eight, year nine when i did originally come out so sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade that's where it kind of i kind of figured it out more and more and more and i think originally it was me figuring out that because the masculinity was there and it kind of was very much oh i feel masculine one day and feminine another day that's where gender fluid came but eventually I kind of realised that it wasn't really fluid because despite having that fluidity of presentation-wise, it kind of went hand in hand, and to an extent it still does, hence why I think from around year 10, so ninth grade onwards, I stuck with the label by gender and continued to until around, I don't even know, last month? when um it cut or not even last month a couple of weeks ago when i kind of figured it out that the, the masculinity was overpowering the femininity most of the time but it still worked hand in hand hence why bigender flux was another label that i swapped for in a sense despite the gender still being a part of it and i think that earlier when i was talking about the whole kind of oversized clothing adds into a part of it that still happens today i mean if you look at my wardrobe it is just full of oversized clothing which by a month or so later doesn't actually stay oversized in a sense and i think one of the reasons that my clothes do not say oversized is because of my chest Now, for anyone who is listening who is either trans, F to M, has changed from a feminine gender or cisgender girl to something of possibly an androgynous or a masculine gender, partly, or, like, you know, 100%. Chest is a problem. And for me, genetically, my mum did have a big bust and had to get a reduction to sort it out so i think because of that um the whole kind of chest has bugged me since childhood and it's gotten worse because of me finding my gender i mean i know i've been a first for everything in this episode but i was probably the first one to have a said chest as a kid like i'm not even joking i had some form of a chest since like year three year four which is what second third grade and like even then it wasn't even like a proper chest i guess but i still had it and by what fifth grade year six i had already you know gotten my first bra and (laughs) even then it was a mess now for every autistic person change is a problem and i tell you something the bras that i wore at like year six fifth grade were terrible it was supposed to be like a sports bra with like spaghetti straps that you'd be able to pull up tighter and i was just wiggling it around you know adjusting it i didn't like it at all i would probably you know like wearing my vests better than wearing a bliming bra until eventually i found sports bras and they were my best friend And they still are to this day. P.S. I never got measured for cup size. Put that into context, trying to wear underwire bras. Just imagine that, it's not great. And I think eventually after finding gender and staying there for God knows how long and continuing partly to do so, one of the big things for me was to show the presentation as much 50-50 as possible and generally as I kind of grew older like you know year 8, year 9, year 10 so 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade it just kind of got a problem the chest was a problem and being a curvy person myself I, and especially a meat lover I find that they just grow And they're just there, like there's no support, they're just sitting there. Like, heck, I tried to buy binders and even the binders didn't work. So I think the next best thing was trying to just, you know, make it seem as boxy as possible by wearing oversized clothes. And partly also because oversized clothes I just found really comfy. Like, and especially masculine clothes as in going to boys sections of clothes and finding hoodies and joggers and you know just like clothes that were specifically aimed at men i found were way easier to find bigger sizes and for it to be oversized anyway so that's a plus and i think one of the reasons as to why i continue to wear oversized men's clothes is that i think i used to say that at least to my mum I used to say that it would remind me of that situation where you steal your boyfriend's clothes mainly because now thinking about it I am the boyfriend in that situation as in I'd probably take on that boyfriend role in a sense mainly because my preference is both androgynous and feminine so anyway moving on but yeah so I think There was a lot, I wouldn't call call it dysphoria because it didn't put me in a really terrible mood or like, made me low. However, there was a bit of dissociation with the fact that I didn't feel 100% because I wasn't in the right setting in which I wanted my body to be. And like, even now, I'll probably say to my mum, mum, I want to get a double mastectomy, I want the top surgery, or I want my tube slide or um, I wanna get an implant because I just don't, I don't want that whole having kids. However, I still wanna have the sexual attraction still be possible and just to not have kids out of it because like, I'd love to have kids, but A, I don't wanna go through the the whole pregnancy. B, I don't wanna go through the labor and C, I don't want to put the kid itself through all the shit that I've been through and possibly fuck up as a parent. I just don't think I'm responsible for that. I mean, heck, I can barely take care of myself. You want me to take care of a kid too? No, I don't think so, mate. And plus, with the career that I want to take, I don't think I'm going to have time to, like, look after kids and, like, have a stable family life. I mean,. This is the reason as to why actors end up getting divorced and half of the time it's other stuff and yeah But like I couldn't imagine having kids and then having to go to places for mums and then not be able to see my kids fully And then the kid has to put up with that for god knows how long because of my my career How does that work? However, if it's not my birth child and it's like a niece or a nephew or a nibbling I'll look after them to death and like that's fine because like I'm not fussed with kids I don't hate them but when kids cry and kids start to scream it's like no, shush, shut up (laughs) and yeah my point has been proven however i wouldn't be opposed to adoption i wouldn't be opposed to that so if let's say my partner wants to adopt i'd be fine with that and despite the fact that i may fuck up in the future and i know people are screaming this to this podcast right now i probably make sure that like my career is, you know started first and i have a solid Financial plan and a solid relationship plan or marriage plan or whatever, and then figure out the kid part. But there is a multitude of reasons as to why I wouldn't want kids, hence, with tubes tied, and also with the chest on top. I think another reason as to why I wouldn't want the chest, despite the fact that it's just there and I don't want it, is also because I don't see a use for it if having kids or not having kids, because even if I want kids, which I don't at the moment, I'm gonna most well most likely bottle feed them, I won't breastfeed. So there we go. Also, it will save my breasts from a lot of biting, which isn't their place to touch. That's the partners. Talking on the subjects of boobs as well, um, I just recently called up and pre-booked a call with a doctor so I can talk to them about possibly getting top surgery, which is nice. And I guess that's step one complete, and then step two is actually taking the call, which won't be till a week and a bit. So it's slow, but you know, baby steps. So yeah, overall, I just didn't really see a use for them if I didn't want kids and having a flatter chest would probably mean that, you know, it would probably be easier to wear a top and not have the top to be, you know, out so much. And also to be able to possibly wear a crop top and have the crop top actually fit or wear a v-neck and the v-neck will be absolutely fine. Plus on top, autism's hard enough as it is for me. I wouldn't want that on my kid. So that's another thing. Plus, my siblings are probably another reason as to why i don't want kids either there we go going back to the whole gender dysphoria euphoria thing i think that besides the association with myself and not feeling 100% most of the time that's probably been more of a motivation to get it done quicker or motivation it's going to be all done soon i mean i if you ask me this about a couple of years ago i probably would have never thought that i'd be doing the steps to possibly get referred to a specialist or get on the waiting list for a top surgery this quickly i would have thought that i probably would have got it done around 18 and um well i'm 16 going on 17 in november the 2nd so yeah that's it really so the fact that i'm doing it this quickly i guess and getting it done at present time, or getting bits and bobs of it done at present time, is great. And I think that despite the fact that I'm kind of comfortable how I am, because you know I've been in this body for God knows how long, I'm finally getting to where I want to be. And I think that's the great thing about it. I mean, at the end of the day, my view on it is that every dysphoria session, is just one step closer to the leader of what I call Fruit Ninja 2 Watermelon Boogaloo. So everything just kind of leads up to it and everything happens for a reason. So if someone was to have so many dysphoria sessions, eventually, someday, they're going to get to that point where it, they're going to get to that whole, well, how they want their body to be. And even if it's not now, it will happen eventually. Because that's what they want, and if they truly desire it, they'll do everything they can to get it to that point. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about it. And I think that's also one of the reasons as to why dysphoria doesn't stay there for long. And if it does, it usually ends up getting kicked up the bum by euphoria anyways. So eventually everything just kind of sorts itself out and on a good note like that I think it's probably time to end this episode thank you for listening and hopefully the next episode will be up next weekend so stick around wait for the next episode and I hope to see you again cheers bye